This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoin. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus, the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. Talk Catholic with Tim Kilcoyne, and I have a little finishing up to do in honor of our graduates during the month of May and June. I do believe it's time to finish up our chapter on lying out of the great Catholic Christianity by Professor Peter Crave from Boston College. And I have been at this for four years now. And as we approach the feast of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, the patron of our radio station, when I was granted the green light to go forward, uh, I think it is uh, ever apropos that we finish this particular task around this wonderful feast day, that we do justice to Professor Kreft's great work. And I want everyone to know that there was a, a very poignant reason for my choosing not only Professor Kreft, in general, is a theologian. Uh, he is one of the most balanced uh, theological writers that I've ever come across, not to mention uh, engaging. But his particular work, Catholic Christianity, really highlighted the Ten Commandments. And I thought at the time when I sat down with our foundress, Mary Ann Harold, as to what I might consider doing, I didn't think there would be any better book as a starting point for what seems to be most missing from today's world, namely moral truths that do not change. And while coming to the end of this particular stretch of Catholic Christianity, we are by no means ended in our task. <laughs> and in fact, I did dinner with Professor Crape uh, a year back and asked him point blank, do you mind if I use all of your material uh, for future shows? And he granted me the nod of the head to that fully. Uh, so we will continue on uh, browsing through this prolific writer and his works. But again, getting back to the Ten Commandments and for our graduates to understand that no matter what you're going to decide to do with your life, know at least one thing regarding our Catholic faith anyway. There are some things that don't change. And that is a very good thing. And the Ten Commandments just so happens to be that common denominator roadmap for our whole country, for that matter, historically. If there's anything that we have been on the same page about for decades and a couple of centuries, for that matter, it's the Ten Commandments amongst Protestants, Jews, and Catholics. And this was part of the solidifying glue of America. So keep it in mind. It was tried and true, still is, and only results in peace and prosperity when followed. These are commandments, the first three of which have to do with your relationship to God, and the rest have to do with your relationship to one another, your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself was summed up by our Lord as the greatest of the commandments. But very specifically, each commandment takes into account any number of topics 
do see the Catechism of the Catholic Church on each one of them that need to be understood clearly and articulated with passion and specificity by our moral leaders within the church. If one is to know Jesus, one needs to know what Jesus stood for. And one of the great vacuums, unfortunately, in our time is that our leaders in the church have failed to articulate clearly so many church positions on a host of relevant topics that, to be bluntly honest, assault marriage and family life on a daily basis. And this is a tremendous disservice to God's people, and I was absolutely determined to do whatever little I could to try to get the very basics, the ABCs of morality, to you. And I hope and pray that you've enjoyed it, as I have just a few more pages of this great book cover with you today. I am reminded of a show that I recently saw on The World Over with Raymond Arroyo on EWTN with the other great Father Gerald Murray, who also has just come out, by the way, with a wonderful book called Calming the Storm. It may well be one of our book reviews forthcoming. But in the interview, Father Murray made it very clear that this movement within the church by renegade bishops, namely the German hierarchy, that are establishing their own little mini-church within the church that is basically a composite of all the uh, rebellious positions that I have tried to forward to you by way of my own undergraduate and graduate training during the course of the 70s and 80s. I have tried to verify and confirm that there was indeed a deep church developing within Holy Mother Church, and she was not Catholic. And now it's very much crystallizing with this body of bishops who, in the humble opinion of this servant, absolutely deserve excommunication for the non-Catholic positions they hold. They are trying to literally revolutionize and, I must say, Protestantize and secularize our Catholic Church into nothing but good old-fashioned liberalism regarding any number of sexual issues, regarding marriage itself, one man, one woman being called into question, uh, legitimizing sodomy uh, as a lifestyle, adopting a woke agenda, putting an emphasis more on gender ideology and racism, social justice, ecology, over and above the Ten Commandments. And so Father Murray kept it as he does always, very simple and straight to the point. The church doesn't have to change on these things. We do. God was very clear about what he said in motion regarding women priests as well. He had every opportunity to bring them into the twelve. He did not. We do not challenge his mindset. We don't do a kind of psychohistory on our Lord like he didn't know what the modern era would entail. So we are the ones that have to change to the unchanging truths of God. And this is my ultimate good wish to our graduates, that they understand that there are some things that never change regarding how to live, regardless of your position, status, state of life, etc. And that is a very good thing. It is an age-old roadmap. And it just so happens to be the deposit of the Catholic faith as given to us to Peter and the apostles and handed down through the ages to the very year and month of June 
2022. I assure you, we are still the rock. The Catholic wall against insanity is still up, and we will continue to profess the moral truths of Holy Mother Church. At least I will, with every fiber in my body, mind, and soul, that we will protect future generations from the terrible errors that were very much committed and professed and are to this day operating through what is now called synodality, using bodies of bishops to assert themselves over and above the magisterium of the church. This will not fly. God is not changing. And neither will I. As I said to a since-departed good friend priest, Father Jake Moriarty, a Jesuit, as I looked at him after not seeing him for 10 plus years, Father, I haven't changed. And he looked at me quickly and said, I haven't either. (laughs) And we knew exactly what we were saying to each other. So in that Holy Spirit, let us continue to get to the goal line with Professor Peter Kraft. And we are on page 275 in Catholic Christianity. He says, lying. A lie consists in speaking a falsehood with the intention of deceiving. This is the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2482. Lying is the most direct offense against the truth. To lie is to speak or act against the truth in order to lead someone into error, Catechism 2483. Both of these elements must be present for a lie. Unintentional falsehood is not a deliberate lie, nor is play-acting or fiction, nor is it lying to refuse truth to one who ought not to know it. The right to the communication of the truth is not unconditional. Fraternal love requires us in concrete situations to judge whether or not it is morally appropriate to reveal the truth. Catechism 2488. I've used the example from the classic movie, The Sound of Music, with the nuns uh, exercising what we call a mental reservation by not saying a word to the Nazis about where the Von Trapp family was hiding. The differing degrees of lying. The gravity of a lie is measured against the nature of the truth it deforms, the circumstances, the intentions of the one who lies, and the harm suffered by its victims. So obviously, killing an ant with your foot is a little different than killing a baby. Now, I should quickly say that relative to the gravity of the sin, how serious is this sin, which is exactly what the priest is trying to discern in the confessional, that's all important relative to the penance that he's going to give you to do. He needs to know exactly why you did what you did and under what circumstances it was done. However, there is a difference as to the gravity of the action. In other words, there are some things we call intrinsically evil, like abortion, where there are no circumstances and intention that warrant such. Even in the case of rape and incest, that Catholic Church teaching maintains the right to life of every child of God, regardless of the circumstances, etc. So there are certain fundamental, objective insidious, intrinsically evil acts that are sinful and evil unto themselves. Very serious, direct violations of God's moral law. Now, I bring this up because in the modern era, we love to look for excuses. We love those intentions and circumstances to get lost in the fogginess and murkiness of a situation so that We can cover for ourselves as to whether we really told the truth or not, or did the truth. In the old days, people used to more or less fire out the phrase, they're living in sin. 
There was an objectivity to the action of cohabitation, for instance, that violated the Sixth Commandment. Fornication outside of marriage is not acceptable to God. And so they didn't look at all the circumstances and intentions. They looked at exactly the nature of the act itself to determine whether the person was guilty and therefore in sin. And I highly suggest that we need to, as usual, turn these clocks back a little bit to look first and foremost at principles of God's moral law that are being violated in our social milieu that we live in today because you're not going to get the media or other voices in the head of the secular realm to try to push you in the direction of being a person of principle. That is not in their playbook for sure. If anything, they're saying, what was the good and the evil that you did? And I'm afraid to say that we have some prelates very high up in the church that take exactly this moral perspective. So when it comes to telling the truth and being truthful as a person, we first and foremost have got to know our faith and know what those principles are, those godly principles. This is why I chose to do Professor Peter Crave's Ten Commandments from the great book, Catholic Christianity, because I had an overwhelming sense that we have just lost the moral compass in this modern era as to exactly what these age-old truths are that should determine our actions. And unfortunately, in recent shows, we've been talking quite a bit about the influence of modern psychology and sociology and all these anti-Christian theories that completely diminish the notion, the very essence of sinfulness. Such a word is not in the vocabulary of these modern academics. I remembered at BC as an undergraduate double major in theology and developmental counseling psych and saying to my professor, I believe, of a counseling psych course and asking this one professor, do you really believe this stuff? Because I knew she was a Christian and she just gave me silence. That was good enough for me. For the modern psych guru, everything is a matter of DNA or what side of the tracks you grew up on. And if you were of the woke agenda, that we hear about today, you'd have every reason to steal, cheat, and lie if it was simply a matter of making reparation for previous historical sins against your ancestry. This is called the evil manipulation of history itself, which is rampant in our public schools today. This is more camouflage for lying, ladies and gentlemen. Misinformation? I don't think so. It's still called lying. Lying is not dependent on history. It's dependent on Human nature, Professor Crave says, lying is wrong because it is contrary to human nature. Man tends by nature toward the truth, Catechism 2467. This is not a naive optimism that ignores original sin, the universal human tendency toward falsehood or the struggle between truth and falsehood. It means that man's essence, man's God-created nature, has truth as its natural end, its spiritual food. Man is meant for truth. That is why lying is wrong. By its very nature, lying is to be condemned. It is a profanation of speech, whereas the purpose purpose of speech is to communicate known truth to others, Catechism 2485. There are specific sins against the truth, false witness and perjury. When it is made publicly, its statement contrary to the truth takes on a particular gravity. In court, it becomes false witness. When it is under oath, it is perjury. Acts such as these contribute to condemnation of the innocent, exoneration of the guilty, or the increased punishment of the accused. They gravely compromise the exercise of justice, Catechism 2476. He becomes guilty of rash judgment who assumes as true, without sufficient foundation, the moral fault of a neighbor. He becomes guilty of detraction 
who without objectively valid reason discloses another's fault. He becomes guilty of calumny, who by remarks contrary to the truth harms the reputation of others and gives occasion for false judgments concerning them. Catechism 2477. And the long-term net effect of these very common sins we're all guilty of? He says, men could not live with one another if there were not mutual confidence that they were being truthful to one another. Catechism 2469. Thus, the Eighth Commandment is an essential part of Catholic social ethics as well as individual ethics. When we come back, let's bring this down to a capsule format that all graduates can understand and more so remember. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. So why do we lie? Let's be honest. (laughs) I was in a particular store the other day and I had bought in advance some items and I had the receipt in my hand and the cashier was in the process of taking care of other customers and I just wanted to know whether I needed to be in line or whether I could just go out the exit door and she just fired at me. You should be at the other end of the line. That's where you should have been in the first place at, at the back. Oh, okay. So I go to the back of the line and this gentleman who had arranged for me to prepay for these items just so happened to come by and spoke to me ever so kindly. And this woman who just treated me like dirt uh, saw that I seemed to have a nice rapport with the boss. And so uh, I waited in line and then finally it was my turn. I went through the transaction that she wanted me to complete. And then I just said to her, I will be praying for your Easter joy. And I said it with a smile. Ladies and gentlemen, I think you know that I could have said about 42 other things. But the real reason for relaying this relative to lying is that that woman was not being honest with herself in treating the customers the way she was treating them. It was more dependent on who was watching over her. Her demeanor completely changed when she realized that I seemed to get along with the boss. This is not a good reason to be authentic, honest, and kind. You want to be these virtues all the time and not dependent on circumstances or intention. Are you Christ-like or not? If so, you'll be honest and kind and truthful. It is as simple as that. But we make our actions dependent on people or circumstance rather than who we are in Christ or not. So in other words, there is the necessity of an intimate relationship with our Lord, first and foremost, established, always rooted, in fact, in prayer, with many other channels of grace available as a Catholic baptized and confirmed Christian, i.e. the channel of the sacraments, Eucharist, confession, etc., that allow you to enter more fully into Christ-likeness. But it's not simply a matter of knowing your faith, because I know more than my fair share of extremely, quote-unquote, devout Christians, Catholics in fact, and I wouldn't bet my house on them. They're manipulative also with regard to the venue of communication conveniently at their disposal, such as texting versus emailing versus phone calling versus eyeball to eyeball, and how often we see these different shades of their character depending on the very medium of communication. That's like being a chameleon. You're changing your colors depending on your venue of communication. That's awful. (laughs) I know a person who's as devout a Catholic as you ever going to get, as well-versed and extremely verbal in the faith, and yet, unfortunately, I've known this person for quite some time, they simply cannot follow up and follow through on what they say they're going to do. Just doesn't happen. Yet in person, theologically, fascinating stimulating, but I preferred their honesty. 
you know, some people say that some people are forever late for their own wedding. Okay, I get it, but the net result is still what it is. It is what it is, as Bill Belichick reminds us. <laughs> Lying is not keeping your word. I don't think our Lord is looking for all those excuses, complicated scenarios, dwelling on age-old foibles and defects of character, idiosyncrasies you inherited. You can only hang on that for so long. I hope. And forever foggy intentions aren't going to cut it either. To use modern parlance, can we be real? Like, all the time? Yes, is the answer to that. And anything in between is from the evil one himself. And don't start hiding in the basement, because by their fruit, we'll figure it out. And God figures it out before you deceive. So the first step towards understanding the lying nature of people and society at large is to understand what authenticity truly is. Stop the game playing, get off the busy bee wheel, chill, and be real in season and out. Let us finish up. And speaking of authentic communication, or lack thereof, Professor Kreft does not let you graduates go into the big bad world without telling you this. It's about censorship and propaganda. At the opposite extreme from Western societies in which communications media are very free and subject to little or no moral authority or censorship, this, of course, was written well before the last two years, totalitarian societies sin against the truth in the opposite way, by censoring truth and broadcasting false propaganda for political purposes. Moral judgment must condemn the plague of totalitarian states which systematically falsify the truth and exercise political control of opinion through the media. Catechism 2499. Whether this is done under communism, right-wing dictatorship, Muslim fundamentalism, or even democracy, is it only totalitarian states that falsify and try to control opinion through the media? I'll hold my thought here, ladies and gentlemen. The media. Within modern society, the communications media play a major role in information, cultural promotion, and formation of opinion, mind, and character. This role is increasing as a result of technological progress, Catechism 2493. Since their power to mold minds is increasing, the real moral responsibility of the media is also increasing. However, modern media in the West are becoming increasingly immoral and more aggressively and uniformly secularist. As a result, modern man is becoming more docile to the secular media and less docile to God's revelation, less skeptical to the world's gospel, and more skeptical to God's. The communications and entertainment media constitute one of the major battlefields in the war between truth and falsehood today and offer one of the most important opportunities for Christians to bear witness to the truth and influence their society for the good. Christians should be encouraged to be active in these fields, whether professionally or privately, and hold the media to higher moral standards. In addition to immoral content, there is a concern for the psychological effect of the very form and structure of the modern media. The mass media can give rise to a certain passivity among users making them less than vigilant consumers of what is said or shown, Catechism 2496. So graduates, no more video games or couch potato or pornography surfing. It is time, as Father James Kelleher once said in his book entitled, You Can Change the World. Maybe an internship for Catholic Radio. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM, sanctifying the secular. Come aboard. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. 
But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoyne, TalkCatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.